Food from the Outside, Part 2, Rita Williams-Garcia. The following evening, we were not our usual selves at the dinner table. There was no talking, no food experiments, no laughter. Instead, we bit the bullet, quickly eating almost everything on our plates. One, once excused from the table, we reconvened in Russell's room. There, behind closed doors and out of earshot of our mother, we each produced a yellow school memo from our skirt pockets or shirt sleeves. These memos invited parents to bring their home cooking to our school's first ever international food fair. Although we were veterans of mommy's cooking, we did not want anyone else to sample those hardened pork chops and rice bricks. We would never live down our teacher's pity or our classmates' jokes. We agreed that mommy could not know about the international food fair, let alone contribute a dish. Mommy won't find out about the fair unless someone squeals, Rosalinda. Rosalind looked straight at me. If anyone squeals, I'll bet it's you, I said, convinced that my sister, the black-eyed pea lover, was becoming more adult-like every day. It was only a matter of time before she joined our parents' ranks and ate meals with them, leaving Russell and me at the kids' table. Rosalind rolled her eyes, which Miss Essie expressly forbade. Eye-rolling was right up there with saying bad words and talking back. Oh, I'm telling, I sang. I rest my case, she said. Snitch. Red alert, Russell warned, hearing the thump of Miss Essie's bare feet as they headed toward the bedroom. Quickly, Russell slid his school memo under his bed. Rosalind and I sat on ours, arranging our skirts over our crossed legs. Mommy opened the door without knocking. There's cake on the table. Normally, those words created a rush for the door, but neither Rosalind nor I could get up. Russell seized his opportunity to choose the biggest slice of Mommy's pineapple pound cake, jumped up and bounded past Mommy for the kitchen. As soon as Mommy retired to her room, Rosalind and I raced after him for, for dessert. Why couldn't it be a bake sale, Rosalind whined, for Miss Essie's cakes baked higher than Betty Crocker's and her rolls were softer than cafeteria rolls. Why a food fair, an international food fair? We're not international, I said, trying to be helpful. We're colored, Russell told me, because that's what we called ourselves before 1968. That or Negro. Everyone at school will expect mommy to bring colored people's food. Maybe Laverne's mom will do it. Laverne is always talking about her mother's barbecue chicken and ribs, how spicy and lip-smacking good they are. Rosalind said, beaming. Russell and I glanced at each other, then at her. You had Laverne's mother's cooking? Russell deduced. I'm telling. You better not, or I'll get you, you little snitch. I mouthed, oh, mommy, at my sister, who flicked yellow icing at me, hitting me in the chest. I dabbed the icing with my finger and ate it. Russell said, Rachel's mother is making corned beef and cabbage. Rachel, Rachel, Russell likes Rachel, I sang. Rachel Grady was a white girl in Rachel's and Russell's class with red hair and freckles all over her face. Russell was too dark to blush, but his nostrils flared, making us laugh. That caused Miss Essie to holler, all right in there. It was inevitable that one of us would flagrantly break the dinnertime rule and have to face Miss Essie. As it turned out, that was this was me. For our school's science exhibition, I was paired with Yolanda Watson and the other colored girl in my class. We were at her house, and she had just finished constructing a weather vane to rival all weather vanes when her mother announced that it was dinner time. Without thinking, I leaked up from my desk and grabbed my supplies. What are you doing, Yolanda asked. 
I gotta be going, I said, as if Miss Essie was standing right there. Oh, but you must stay for dinner, her mother insisted. Oh, no, I can't, Mommy said. It was, can't, we can't eat and no one else is cooking. Mrs. Watson laughed and said, Nonsense, child. I've made more than enough. Go wash up and I'll call your mother. I could not wash my hands until I heard Mrs. Watson talking on the phone with my mother. Mrs. Watson was so hospitable, so insistent, that Mommy did the unexpected. She relented. I then washed my hands, certain of one thing. I was going to get a whippin' that night. As clear as Miss Essie had always made herself about the dinnertime rule, I knew I wouldn't be able to sit for a week once I was walking out the front door, walking through our front door. But I was on the verge of tasting food from the outside, and that made me fearless. If I was going to get a whipping, it would be worth every snap of Mommy's belt. We washed our hands and sat at the table. What's for dinner, I whispered to Yolanda. When I heard the words fried chicken, my face dropped. Yolanda and her mother exchanged, what's wrong with that? this colored child glances, then asked what was the matter was. I knew better than to embarrass my mother with rude behavior and said, nothing, Miss Watson. Yolanda's mother brought out a bowl of cooked cabbage, another bowl of mashed potatoes, the smell of butter wafting in the air, and a platter of golden brown meat piled up in a pyramid. What's that? I asked, pointing to the meat platter. Yet another look was exchanged between the two. Yolanda poked me and said, fried chicken. Uh-uh, I disagreed, anxious to take my first bite. No sooner had a man sealed the blessing than my hand was all in the platter, reaching for a drumstick. I bit it, the skin, a crunch, the skin, a crunchy cornucopia of spices, set my palate a-dancing. I could not recall ever being, ever being so giddy at the dinner table. I tore into the golden meat, savoring the juices, still remarkably in the tender white flesh. Next, I tried the pepper cabbage, surprising myself by stabbing and eating leaf after leaf. I wondered if the other cooked soggy vegetables that I'd hated all my life could really could taste as delicious as this cabbage. My mind reeled. Gravy, Yolanda offered, as I sat.